Good morning. Welcome to Awakening. If you're new, my name's Ryan. Um, I don't normally wear bright yellow shirts. Anybody Warriors fans? It's a game today. Got the whole band in Warriors gear. Um, and I don't know if you know this, we're in a series called Better, and we all have a desire to get better, to be better. Um, and we've been talking about this, and each week I've had a shirt. And so the very first week, uh, my shirt said, do better. That's often the way we try to get better, is just by doing better on our own. And yet we never actually arrive at better, and we've been talking about how we've been created, we've been designed to be better together than we ever could apart. But it's really hard to figure out how to be better. So week two, I, I wore that shirt, Better Together. Um, and so each week I'm trying to get a better shirt, you know. I want to make it better. And I thought, what better shirt than this is my buddy uh, Cornell shirt. He went to the game uh, Tuesday and I saw the strength in numbers. And I'm like, that's what we're talking about this week. Can I wear your shirt? And he said, yes, it's a little big. Uh, for me. I'm trying to like kind of tuck it in a little bit. Uh, but that's what we're talking about today is, is really strength in numbers. How do we experience the better together life? How, how do we, you know, as I said the very first week, as, to quote the famous um, philosopher, poet, Usher, um, where he said, teamwork makes the dream work. We quote that a lot in my house, but how do we make the dream work? How do we actually do this together? And to start, I wanted to start a little differently uh, than we have, and I wanted to start with a question. This is going to be interactive uh, together, but I wanted to start this way. Um, what makes, I'm running out of ink here, a great team. You know, in uh, the Bay Area, we have the privilege of having some great teams. I mean, anybody Sharks fans as well? They're, they made the playoffs this year. Obviously, this is the um, Giants year. I mean, it's the even year. So, And then, of course, the Warriors, who Steph Curry's back today, by the way. I'm excited about that. Uh, but, but we have some great teams. What makes a great team? Go ahead. Help, help me out here. Unselfishness. Um, okay. Unselfishness. What else? Keep, keep, keep. I'm sorry, what? Big picture. Big picture. So would you say like the goal? Yeah, sure. Common goal? Good looking uniforms. Um, I'm not going to write that one down. But, but that, is, that is so important to have really, that's all that matters really is a great looking uniform. What else? Okay, they, know, they play their positions, play their role. Communication. Yeah. Steph Curry. Steph Curry. <laughs> Absolutely. All you need is Steph Curry, and you have a great team. Hang on, someone said communication. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is, a, I don't actually know how to spell it off, the camaraderie, but uh, get along. They need a leader, yeah. Leader slash coach. We don't. We forget. I'm sorry. What? Someone said commitment. Hang here. Commitment. Trust. Keep it coming. Respect. Respect. Absolutely. 
sharing is caring, okay? But I'm sorry, what? Purpose. Yeah, purpose goes back to um, common goal right here. Fundamentals, yeah. They, there's a baseline. Anything else? Training, Training practice, yeah. Sure. Um, hang on, practice. I'm just going to shorten accountability. My hand's getting tired. When you can be original. Huh? When you can be original. When you can be original, okay. Originality. All right, well, that's a good start. That's a good start. Well, let's talk about this for a second. What makes a great team? I know you can't really read that so well, but there's some commonalities, and there's some things that overlap from last service to this service, which is, was incredibly important when we think about it, because intuitively we know what makes a great team. And actually, all of us, in some ways, longs to be a, bar, a part of some sort of team, something that's doing something significant. So first, you know, that there's this, there's this kind of big picture. No professional sport, uh, you know, um, club starts out and says, we just want to win three games. They start out, we want to win the championship. We want to make playoffs. We're going to do whatever it takes to build a team that is going to win the championship. Every single professional sports team starts out, that's their end goal. And then they begin to track and develop a team. Uh, Back to coaching. Coaching's huge in leadership. What's the first move when you have a team that's failing? Get rid of the coach, get a new coach, because coaching matters. They're not on the court, but that's really important. In fact, um, Alvin Gentry, uh, who was um, the assistant coach for the Warriors, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, he got called over uh, to help them become a better team. He's actually helped a ton. Uh, That they get along and trust is part of that, that there's this sense of camaraderie, that there's a unity, um, a common goal helps that, but you have trust and respect, There's, there's a sharing. There's a sharing of purpose. There's a sharing of um, talents. There's a sharing of life, um, training, and fundamentals. Uh, you know, my son plays baseball, and we a few months ago we were practicing, and we're just working on some fundamentals, you know, and just just getting that this this movement down. And he made this comment, and he said, well, Dad, you know, in the game, because I'm like, just focus, and we're going to really work on this. He's like, well, in the game, I focus. And so I thought, well, this is a great life lesson moment. Um, I'm a teacher, so I get to teach. Here we go. And so I said, well, son, you don't just play the way you want to play. You have to practice how you want to play. Because it's not practice makes perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect. Right? Have you heard that? Okay. You've never heard that? It's true. You you practice with bad fundamentals, you'll still be bad. Right? (laughs) Okay, some of you have had a good coach. Some of you had terrible coaches um, or never played at all. Um, All right. Now, here's what's interesting about this whole list. They moved it on me. Let's put this over here. Is when we think about the church, this, this, this is what we don't often do. Have you ever wondered this? What makes a great church? Now, if I started with that question, 
we might have said something along the lines of, well, it needs to have great worship. Because I love the worship. I just soak, soak in the worship. I'm just going to soak in it. I love it. What makes a great worship? Oh, the teaching. Thank you. Um, yes, <laughs> the teaching, it's got to be good. It's got to be dynamic. Oh, I just walked out and mm, I was fed. Mm. You ever hear people say that? Oh, it's just, it, the sermon just fed me today. You know what? It, you know, if we're really honest, we're talking about what makes a great church. Uh, this, this is up here. This is like probably higher than those other two. Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> You can clap, clap for that. Um, here's what I find so interesting. The biblical picture of church looks a whole lot more how we define team today than how we define church today. And when we begin to look at what makes a great church, and we begin to look at this, unselfish has the big picture, uh, committed. Where's I actually didn't write it down. Someone said, no, there it is. Committed. Think and imagine in a group this size, a couple services, if we had a common shared goal where we all played our roles, that we were communicating, getting along, we had leadership and coaching, accountability. There, there was like, okay, we're going to be who God made us to be, originality. And so we began to train and practice, and there was a, a mutual trust, respect, sharing, and commitment. Do you think that would make a great church? Whew. I think so. See, here's what we have to shift. And my whole goal this morning is to help us understand how the church was designed to function, how we are the church, and that we don't go to church. And in that, in that we actually begin to experience God's best, not only for our life, but we begin to experience God's best for this city. And so as we think about church, oftentimes the words that come to mind is building. Well, church is a building, and we're looking for a building. We're praying for a building. Man, one day it will be awesome to have a building, but church is not a building. Church, as the Apostle Paul says, is the body. It's the body of Christ. It's a living, breathing organism, distinct and different. We, as followers of Jesus, are all members of one body. It is not a place you go to. And so you do not attend church. You are the church. We are the church. We often think of it as, uh, we wouldn't say this word, but as a business. I think I spelled that wrong, um, but who cares? Uh, but as a business, organization, the Bible talks about the church bride. See, as a business, you know what we do? We come and render service from it. As an organization, we come and use it for our own need. As a bride, is someone something to be cherished, something to, to take delight in, to nurture, to care. You know, just think about it, the calling of us. We are his bride, and yet we have the role of helping make the bride more beautiful, helping make the bride more brilliant. We think of church oftentimes as an event. It's an event that I go to. I went to church. What'd you do today? Well, you know, I woke up this morning and uh, I had amazing waffles. Have you had these waffles at this place? It's incredible waffles. And then we went to church, and then we went after... 
No, no. Biblically, the church is a way of life. It's how we do life. Because church doesn't take place right here. Well, it is. Church is taking place right here. But church leaves the building when you leave the building. And everywhere you go, church is happening currently, presently, actively. It's dependent on how aware you are, whether you embrace that or not. But church is not an event. Church is a way of life. Church is not, and we kind of think of this as something religion. religion. I think we get this, our group. Church is completely about a relationship with Jesus. And finally, I forgot my last point, so I'm going to look at my notes. There we go. Um, Church isn't a club you belong to. And this is kind of how we think of church, though. We wouldn't say it this way, but it's a club I belong to that, you know, I meet with a few people and I get some certain needs met. I get my community needs met. I get some of these things done. Church fundamentally is a movement. Jesus said it this way. That the gates of hell will not overcome his church. See, we think of church in very static or stagnant way of, of thought. As it's something that has, you know, we build our own fences, our own gates, and try to keep other things out. The way Jesus thought of church was this movement that was advancing his kingdom forward that was affecting life wherever the church goes. And he had this incredible promise that the gates of hell, gates are on defensive. We're not to be defensive. We're on the offensive because we are a movement and gates are on the defense and the very gates of hell cannot withstand the movement of God in the body, the bride of Christ, his church. And so the question before us this morning is then how do we do that? How do we make the dream work? If you got your Bibles, if you would open them up to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul is going to give us God's strategic game plan for the better together life. How we are better together and what is the game plan for us actually having strength in numbers? How do we do that? What does that look like? We pick it up in verse 11. He says this, it was he who gave some. It was he who gave. So Christ did this. This is his strategic plan for setting up the church and how we do exactly what we just talked about. He gave, and then he lists some gifts, some specific gifts for the church. He gave some to be apostles. Now, apostle literally means sent one. That's what the word means in the Greek. And you have the office of apostleship, which is, you remember the 12, right? They were called apostles. And so you had the office of apostleship, but then you have the gifting of apostles. Uh, And the gifting is literally, they're the spiritual entrepreneurs. Some of you love to start things. 
Some of you just have a dream and a vision about a people who aren't reached yet, and you want to figure out how to reach them. Apostles are today the spiritual entrepreneurs. Some of them are missionaries. Some of them start up church. Some of them start apps. Some of them are in the tech world and dreaming of how you can reach those people. And some are, in, you know, in all different sec- segments. But he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets. Now, when we think about prophets, we most commonly think of foreknowledge, of someone declaring forth what's going to happen. And certainly there's that uh, realm, but most commonly, scripturally, when the term prophet is someone who proclaims forth the word of God. A prophet is one who proclaims forth God's word in a timely manner to a people that, that desperately need to hear from God to affect change. In fact, my number one spiritual gift is the gift of prophecy. And I don't declare a whole lot of what's going to happen in the future. And sometimes God's used that, but it's predominantly used right here in this moment is the gift of prophecy. Some have the gift of evangelism. Now, evangelists, uh, they have the ability to have unusual effectiveness in leading others to Jesus. And some do this from a one-on-one standpoint and others in a big, large group standing. Uh, And if you know Jess, who's uh, one of our worship leaders, Jess has the gift of evangelism. If you just hang out with her a little bit, she just oozes Jesus. It's so fun to be around her. But you can't sit across a coffee with her if you don't know Jesus and her not just share about Jesus. And, and so many times she's like, and she came to know Jesus. And she came to know Jesus. And I'm like going, I've sat across coffee. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they walked away farther from Jesus. I don't know. Um, but they have this unusual gifting. Now, we're all called to be evangelists. We're all called to do the work of evangelism, but some are uniquely gifted. Some is in a one-on-one, others in the group, big group. You've heard of Billy Graham. Maybe you've heard of Louis Plow. They have this incredible gift of evangelism where when they share what they share, it's just like, wow. And hundreds and hundreds and sometimes thousands and thousands of people come to know Jesus. And then finally, he gave some to be pastors and teachers. Uh, The way it's constructed in the Greek, it's literally uh, a compound gifting is pastor teacher. Uh, Pastor means to be a shepherd. That's what the word is. It's to shepherd, to nurture, to care. Teacher means to shape and instruct. And that there's some who are called to be these pastor teachers, these nurturer, shepherd, carer, and shapers. Many of our missional community leaders are pastor teachers. And they nurture and they care and they shape in groups of 5, 10, 15. Many of our ministry team leaders have the gifting of pastor teachers. And they have a group of 5, 10, 15, 20 that they care and lead for. Now, notice, Jesus is setting up a strategic game plan for how the world will be reached and how we'll experience who we're actually made to be. And so he says, I've given these gifts. And right next to it, you can just write leadership. These are the leadership gifts in the church. I've given these gifts. Here's why. To prepare God's people for works of service. That word prepare, I love that word prepare. In the Greek, it literally means it comes from the medical use of where a doctor would set a bone. It means to set right. Uh, It was used in the fishing world when they'd get a net and they had to mend it. It had a hole and they would put the mend in it so that that net could once more be used for its original function. So leaders, the leaders in the church, the goal is to prepare 
is to equip, is to train, is to mend, is to put right the people in his body to do what? For works of service, or literally it's to do the work of ministry. That every single person has a ministry, a purpose from God on this planet to step into and fulfill. And the leadership roles, God's strategic plan is, the leader's roles is to equip the church, capital C, for ministry. And then he says, here's what's going to be produced as a result when we step into his strategic plan. This is so amazing. Look at this. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Literally, that word is the bringing of something to completion. It's a construction term that the whole body is, we're built up together. Well, well, what does that look like? Until we reach unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. The process for oneness is to embrace the gifting of who God's made you to be and step into that in the body of the church. The process for growing in your knowledge of who God is step, is embracing who God made you to be, the gifting he's designed you to be, and, and express that within the body of Christ. Maturity. I love this word. It's the Greek word teleos. It's where we get our English word telescope, as you can tell. And so it's this idea of looking down to your ultimate or final end of where you long to be and what you were made to be. That's maturity right there. And then it says, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God's strategic game plan for his church and for reaching the church, for your needs to be met and for others' needs to be met, is when we embrace who he made us to be and the roles he designed us to be. So here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. You have been given an integral role in the body of Christ. You have. One person's stoked about that. That's good. All right. We'll, we'll preach a little, little, little harder and we'll maybe we'll get, get two by the end. But think about this. You, you have been given by Christ an integral, necessary, important. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter your past background. It, it, it's not like, well, you know what? I don't have that certain gifting. And some of us diminish our gifting. I don't have that speaking gift, or I don't have this, or you don't know where I've been. And, and when Jesus says it, he says, no, no, no. You have been given. You play an important part. You're needed, not just wanted. You're needed. You're needed here for that movement, for that body, for that bride, for God to do a work not only in you, not only in us, but through us. You're needed. And then here's this structure. Every leader, every leader is an equipper. And every member of the body of Christ is a minister. That's God's structure for reaching this world. That's God's structure for us becoming more like him. That leaders would embrace, hey, I'm a leader. I, I, you, those first few gifts, those are all, all about affecting change. Those are all about leading other people. I, I have that gift. So my role is to equip 
My role is to train. My role is to help others become who God made them to be. Now, problem, that's not how we function in the church today. The American church structure looks far more like this, that the pastors are the all-stars and the church or the members are the supportive fans. You know, the guys with the mic, we're the all-stars. <laughs> give me the ball. Hang, I got a ball. All right. Put me in. I'm ready. All right, you know? Give me, give me the ball, coach. I'm in. I'm the all-star. And you guys come up and you go, oh, Ryan, that was such a good message. Oh, thank you. I love it. And, and we're the, we're the all-stars. <laughs> and you're the fans. And you show up to fan and to cheer us on. And it looks something like this. I made up this picture. Um, <laughs> Okay, you can, you can take that off now. Quit, <laughs> quit taking a picture of that and just take it off, Zach. That's, that's how we function. And as a result, that's the reason the church is in dysfunction. Okay, God's strategic plan for reaching this world is leaders are the coach. And every member is an all-star player. Note that I said leader and not pastor, because we have plenty of leaders in this room that don't hold the title or the position of pastor. One of the great, um, I think, deceptions is we have these incredible gifted leaders in the corporate world that are doing incredible work and yet come into the church and are neutered of their leadership and not stepping up into their role as equippers. And they show up and all they do is just kind of sit around or do menial tasks when they're leading huge things. And by the way, leaders, we need you. It's not a pride thing. We need you. You're a leader. You're going to lead everywhere else. Why, why would you give your time for something that's so temporary in raising up whatever your portfolio is or whatever the company goals are when you could give your life to something eternal that is weighted with heaven itself? I mean, come on. Don't you want to, at the end of your life, look back and go, man, you know what? It was great to be a part of that business. It was great to be a part of this. But I leveraged my life for something that mattered far greater. And I get to see the ripple effects. So when I'm in heaven, I see the effects everywhere. Leaders, we need you. I like to say it this way, leaders. If you find yourself doing more than equipping, you're no longer leading. I fall into this. I, it's such a struggle. Because leaders are activators. We like to get stuff done. And oftentimes we think we can do it better than others. It's not true, but we think we can. When we started this church, it was so hard I, because I love chairs. And I love chairs to be straight or perfectly curved. I mean, no one could set up our chairs except for me. What an incredible waste when I could spend it with you helping you discover how God made you to be and help equip you to be being who God made you to be instead of just setting up chairs because I want them perfect. And then other people who set up chairs are like, they're really nervous. In fact, Zach set up chairs before and he's really nervous. He's like, I don't know if it's up to Ryan's standard. He did a great job. But I'm, leaders, we're equippers. 
And as a result, every member, you're a player. You're a player. You bring not only something, you bring something necessary. You bring something important. God has uniquely designed you and gifted you in such a way that without you, we won't be who we're made to be and this world won't experience Jesus the way it needs and desperately needs to experience Jesus. See, if we would embrace what makes a great church, that God's game plan for you is for some, you need to step into the role of a quipper. For some, you're a leader and you haven't embraced that. And for some, you're young leaders and so you need to be a, a leader in training. It's great. Go, man, I want to I lead. For others, you're going like, I've been on the sidelines because I didn't feel like I had much to offer. And God's saying, man, you have a ton to offer. Don't undercut what I have given you. And here's why this is such a big deal. I love how Paul uh, unpacks this because he gives us this so that, so that the body of Christ might be built up. Now, you might not have thought of it this way, but Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness literally, you can bring that up for me, Zach. Thanks, bud. Uh, is a team sport, not merely an individual endeavor. America, we celebrate individualism. Rugged individualism. Rugged individualism leads to isolation and produces immaturity. If you want to grow, if you want to become like Jesus, if you want to just simply become who you were made to be and designed to be, you must embrace it's a team sport. Not merely an individual endeavor. Yes, you need to bring something to the table. Yes, there is your part. But you won't become who God made you to be on your own. I, I love that. Until we all phrase. Until we all. Like, like there's this, instead of rugged individualism, if we had a rugged commitment until we all reach unity. Well, I'm not giving up and I'm not quitting because I got mine. I'm not giving up and I'm not quitting because it didn't work out the way I thought. I'm not giving up and I'm not quitting because I just simply would rather do something a little bit easier. But there would just be this rugged commitment until we all, where we'd embrace that we is so important than just me. We go, okay, I'm in. Let me just give you a couple applications. First, would you take time to identify how God has uniquely made you? Would you take time? This summer, we're doing a series called uh, Summer Study Blueprint. Uh, Steve Saccone and uh, Glenn Hobbs, they're going to be leading it. Sign up for that. If you don't know your spiritual gift, that's okay, but it's not okay to stay there. Go, okay, I'm going to take time to identify how God has made me so that I can know the role that I'm supposed to be played in. For some, you need to embrace, hey, I'm a leader. Not pridefully. That was a hard thing for me, by the way, 
took me a long time to embrace that because I think sometimes we, we, we neuter leaders. And so I, I kind of felt like to say I'm a point leader that God made me that way was somehow prideful. It's just how God made me. Embrace that. That's not pride. That's just reality. For some, you need to embrace that. For some, you need to embrace. You, you have such an important role, and there's ministries, and there's things that won't get done if you don't step into it. And you go, I'm a doer. I love doing. I love getting stuff done. I want to knock things out. And God will maybe even bring you up to, next to another equipper, and you go, hey, doers and equippers together, you can get a lot done. Imagine if we just had lots of teams of equippers and doers together and what God could get done. Would you then actively develop the gifts he's given you? Spiritual gifts don't come in fully developed form. It's not like all of a sudden I step in and I have the gift of teaching and so I'm going to get up and just teach. Steph Curry, he's gifted with basketball, I think. What we don't see is the hours of training and work and dedication. What we don't see is all the things that happened before he ever played college, during college. What we don't see is the off-season. See, if you would embrace that you've been uniquely gifted by God, would you would embrace that you have an integral role, then, then you would actually go, okay, I'm going to take time to develop it. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines anymore. God's given me a gift, and I'm going to begin to just go into training. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to talk to Steve. In fact, Steve said this about this uh, series. He's like, anyone who wants to discover their spiritual gift or grow in this, have them email me because I want to help them. You know why? Steve's an equipper. He's a developer. We need Steve, but we need you. You need somebody to equip. Or you'd go, okay, I'm in. I'm in. And then would you make a commitment? Would you make a commitment to being better together? It is harder to be better together. But would you make a commitment? What ends up happening... is we actually just kind of wrestle with this. We're a society that struggles with commitment. And so we just go from one place to the next. And so one of the reasons many of you don't feel settled is you haven't made a commitment. One of the reasons many of you don't feel secure is you haven't made a commitment. One of the reasons why the picture in your mind of who you were made to be is moving so slow, or maybe even backwards, is you haven't made a commitment. See, commitments say, I'm in. Commitments say, when it gets hard, we're going to go together. Commitments say that, by the way, when, when, we, when we hit some rough patches... When we disagree, I'm not just going to take my ball and go home. We're going to figure it out. We're going to work it out together. See, that's, that's what makes a great team. That's what makes a great church. 
That's what makes the bride of Christ beautiful. Beautiful. See, the body doesn't have that, right? You don't go, well, the hand's being annoying, so I'm just going to cut it off. It's like, no, but if we got that picture, we're the body. Would you make a commitment? Say, no, 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 we're, we're going to choose to be better together. It's a choice, no matter how hard it gets. Now, for some, you're, you're here, and you're actually in a spot where you're just in a hard spot. Maybe you walked in and you've been hurt. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but I love basketball. I don't talk about it much, um, but I love it. I've, um, my dream was to play D1 basketball. And so as a kid and growing up, I spent hours in our driveway, just fundamentals. Be out there, be shooting. You know, anybody see the old Pistol Pete movie? No. Okay, great. <laughs> I watched it and watched it, and he had all these drills he did. You know, he could do this. Oh, I can't even do them anymore. But, you know, all these different quickness drills. You know, I watched Hoosiers. I'd watch everything I could, you know, work with the left, work with the right, spend hours. Friday nights, friends would go out, and I'd be in the front driveway until late at night, until the neighbor couldn't stand this noise anymore because she wanted to go to bed and said, Ryan, can you quit it? And I spent hours and hours playing. I was pretty good. In fact, freshman year made varsity. And then I broke my leg. That hurt, playing basketball. I was out for that whole season. The next year, the coach decided that um, Deshaun and I were the two guys that made, made varsity, and he wanted to keep us together. And so he put us on the JV team so that we could um, develop together. The JV coach was a yeller. JV coach was, I mean, he just was intense, angry man. I was a cocky kid, an angry man. That just didn't work out too well together. I mean, I just can still remember his veins in his throat yelling as I'm on the court. And I just couldn't respond well to that type of coaching. I remember going like, I I just don't want to do this anymore. I quit basketball. Went to volleyball and did that. And that was great. I love volleyball. But you know what? To this day, I still wonder, could I have made it? What might have been had I stuck with it? Where where would I be? Could I actually have made it to the D1 level and been, you know, the little John Stockton that I thought I was going to be? Some of you, none of you know who that is either. (laughs) Steve Kerr played at the same time, so Steve Kerr. Some in this room, in the church context, you've had some bad coaches. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. You've been manipulated. Been lied to. And so there's just this natural defense up, and you just said, I'm out. 
And if you told us your story, we would all hurt with you. And we'd all agree about the pain you experienced. My hope for you is I don't want you to get to the end of your life and wonder. I wonder what might have been. If I just didn't give up. If I didn't just close my heart. If I didn't put up the walls because I was wounded. I wonder. I wonder what my life would have looked like. See, it's one thing about a silly game. It's a whole other thing. We only get one life. This morning, for some, as we close, and I wanted the band to come up, you, you walked in hurt. And you actually need time to heal. Like the better together, you just need the body of Christ to, to surround you, to love you. And you need to step into some healing this morning before you step out into the ministry God has for you. And I would invite you as we sing this song, one, would you make it a prayer? Songs are simply prayers in musical form. Would you make it your prayer? And if you need prayer, would you go to that corner and our team over there and just pray over you? Would you have the courage to do it? Maybe that's your first step out and you're hurt and you're wounded, but you're closed off and you're hard and you kept people at arm's length and you would go, you know what? It was a bad coach and we've all had bad coaches and get that, but don't miss out on what God has for you because you have a bad coach. You just go get some prayer. And for others this morning, there's this kind of inception of what God's doing, of where you go, okay, I want to step into who God made me to be. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. And where you would pray this prayer and go, okay, God, I don't know what that looks like. And it's stepping out into some unknown. And I just, I'm a little nervous, but here I am. Here I am, use me. Here I am, send me. All that I have, I just lay it out there because that's what I want to be a part.